A reading from the book of Genesis. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, See, I am now establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, all the birds and the various tame and wild animals that were with you and came out of the ark. I will establish, establish my covenant with you that never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed by the waters of a flood. There shall not be another flood to devastate the earth. God added, This is the sign that I am giving for all ages to come, of the covenant between me and you and every living creature with you. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall the covenant I have made between me and you and all living beings, so that the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all mortal beings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Remember that your kindness, O Lord, and your love are from of old. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Good and upright is the Lord, thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice, and he teaches the humble his way. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, Christ suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous, that he might lead you to God. Put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life in the spirit. In it, he also went to preach to the spirits in prison who had once been disobedient while God patiently waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few persons, eight in all, were saved through water. This prefigured baptism which saves you now. It is not a removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a clear conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus being in the desert for 40 days battling Satan is a hearkening back to the story of creation. Uh, we see and we see patterns with Adam and Eve in, in the beginning of creation, at the beginning of Genesis, and then Noah and the ark, which is our first reading today, a couple of chapters later in Genesis, Genesis chapter 9, and then the, guard, the, uh, the desert with our Lord. The pattern, Adam is created by God. Out of, out of darkness, out of chaos, we have stability. Adam walks with God. Adam and God are partners. There's light, there's goodness, and there's hope. Uh, but Satan's always a player on the scene, and so Satan's constantly working 
and he he offers a temptation to Adam. Adam, as you as we know, succumbs to the temptation. Now you have Noah. So the world falls apart. God's beautiful creation is is sullied after Adam's fall. Uh, so God starts again with Noah with the flood. We hear specifically, like Adam walked with God, Noah was a righteous and holy man. He walked with God, literally walked with God, saw him face to face. And then God preserves Noah on this, on this ark while the, the, the waters uh, wipe out the, the earth. I remember when, when God creates the world in, in Genesis with Adam, uh, he, he clears up the waters he dries up the waters to form land. Well, now it's the opposite. He brings down the waters to, to destroy land. Now, while uh, Adam, while, while Noah and the human race are are preserved, or at least Noah's sons, when Noah comes off the ark, and he lands on on ground, dry ground, we hear that Noah, unfortunately, sins. Uh, he's tempted by Satan. And we hear that Noah is a man of the soil. And so what Noah does is he builds a vineyard and he, he gets drunk. Pretty, pretty basic. So God doesn't give up, though, on the human race. I think God finally realizes, because he makes that covenant with Noah, that he's not going to destroy the human race again. He realizes, look, mankind, they, they, they have, might have good heart, good intention, and they try to walk with me and they walk with me for a bit, but they're just too weak. You need to do, I need to send someone else, not Adam, not Noah, not Moses, not David. They're all, they're all good guys, but they're all sinners. He needs to send who? Jesus Christ. So Christ enters the scene, both God and man, goes into the desert for 40 days like Mark tells us, he's among wild beasts, the way Noah was among wild beasts for 40 days in the ark. And Mark also, Mark's version of this is, is very short. And Mark, unlike Matthew and Luke, doesn't give us the three specific temptations of the devil. Mark just tells us the spirit drove Jesus out of the desert. He remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. It can lead us to think, actually, that all these, the whole time Satan is tempting Jesus every day, probably like every hour of every day. Whereas Matthew and Luke's version, the temptation sort of comes at the end of the 40 days. Jesus is hungry. He's, he's finished the, the fast or whatever. And now Satan comes, which is like a one-time encounter. So Jesus goes out in the desert for a specific reason. And this is to, to refashion creation, to recreate the human flesh, to put us back in union with God, able to walk with God, able to withstand now the temptations from the devil. Before, we had no we had no chance against the devil. He's too powerful. But now we do with Jesus. Jesus entered into flesh. This is what like St. Paul is telling us here. Especially those of us who are baptized in Christ or even more united to him, able to withstand the assaults from the devil. So when so Jesus is walking with God, with the Father in the desert. Satan comes out of the woodworks just like he came out for Adam and Noah. But this time, mankind doesn't fail. Jesus resists. And so too with us now. We're able to resist. Now, like I said, 40 days, 40 nights, every hour of every, of every day, Satan is, is tempting Jesus. Yes, with those three, but I bet in my imagination, Satan, through every temptation that every man and woman has ever faced, 
past, past, present, and future upon the Lord. In other words, our Lord knows every temptation that we face. The temptation of 2024, the temptation of 1960, the temptation of 1760, the temptation of 2260, whatever it might be. This doesn't mean we don't succumb to temptations. I mean, we see this all the time. We, we do. We fall short. We give in. You know, we really want to eat that that uh, chicken McNugget on, on Friday and a Friday in Lent. So good. We want to do it. And we give in. But the difference is we now don't have to be called, I guess, failures or losers. The whole um, human race, our, our hearts aren't completely botched when we give in to temptation. So it's helpful to reflect on, on temptation here for, for a bit. Every one of us faces temptations. Even priests and nuns, even the Pope face temptations. So it's not about like, if I just get holy enough, I'll no longer have temptations. No, no, no. Temptations come to everyone. They're actually, they can be very graced experiences or opportunities because if we handle them the right way, we're in touch with God. They prompt us to reach out to God, to be in union with God. So all these 40 days when Satan is tempting Jesus, he's in union with God the Father. He's not just doing it by himself. He's not just constantly swatting this fly and the fly just returns. He's crying out to the Father. So that's why when we face temptations, they actually can be God's grace at work here. Now, the there's... Two bad ways to handle temptation. So like the non-religious person handles temptations a bad way by just either giving into the temptation, not thinking it's wrong, or they realize the temptation is wrong, but, you know, they'll try to figure it out on, through their own devices, you know, some self-help mechanism or, you know, some, some technique, something that's not of God or not God's grace. But then there's the very religious person's approach to temptations, which is just as bad. This is the person that gives into temptations, knows it's wrong, and then either races to the confessional or you know to some you know prayer technique or whatever that's not really authentic prayer. It's just some formulaic thing. Or they just give in to total shame and guilt, and they think like, oh, if I just feel guilty and I'm a terrible person, you know, I think that by myself, you know, then that must be good because now I'm humble, or whatever. Those are just the same as the non-religious person's self-help techniques. We're just manipulating confession under the guise of something that's spiritual. But it's just our own doing. We rise to the confessional, get our absolution, and then we just kind of go back to the cycle of indulging, giving into temptations. The right way is to pray through the temptation. Pray before, during, and after. You're tempted. That should be a calling card. Okay, God, I need your help. Please help me. I'm in poverty right now. I, I'm weak. I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to suppress this thing or, or I'm not just going to automatically give into it, but I'm going to cry out to you. And then you'll either withstand the temptation or you'll give into it. And if you give into the temptation, well, then what do you do? You pray, pray afterwards. All right, Lord, I failed. I'm weak. I need your help. Please show me how else I need to grow. What other area do I need to be healed? Give me strength. The right way is to pray constantly and and to pray not just that you get you never have temptations anymore, but you keep just reaching out to God. The goal of life isn't to have no temptations. The goal of life is to be in union with God. So when we can pray through our temptations, now all of a sudden we're walking with God face to face 
and he's sympathetic and we're, we're experiencing his mercy, we're actually growing in our understanding of God and our love is deepening. Hopefully this happens to us this Lent. And hopefully as we are in the desert for these 40 days, even though they're going to be difficult and we're going to have our failures, that we'll reach out to God and we'll see that the desert actually is a glorious place to be. Amen.